and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. And 2021 is here, and you can tell because I almost said 2020 wrong. Well, there it is. I said it wrong. You're in that part where you have to remember that the year is different, and uh, I'm doing a bad job. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is, we're this is the tone we're setting for the rest of the year is is what we're talking about today and liam can you can you send us back to the beginning of 2020 for a second how did we set the tone last year Corey and i set the tone with a new movie a theatrical experience very dated at this point Corey and i went out to the theater and we watched cats from 2020 nice fresh off the presses and uh, we podcasted about it late into the night. I think that one, we were we were on record for about two hours, and we started particularly late that night. So I yeah. think we were up until about midnight talking about cats. And uh, <laughs> sorry, world, uh, absolute mania ensued because that, I mean, that happened to a lot of people in a lot of ways, but it really did set a sort of ominous tone that ultimately played itself out. And we were thinking, you know, we can do one of two things here. We can set the tone for 2021 in a positive way and pick something that we might think is good. Or we can start a tradition of just watching something relatively new to start every year. We were looking at some stuff that was a bit more recent, but... Yeah, like 2021 release, but they're kind of hard to come by, especially yeah, we, we this early in the year, right? Yeah, it, it's so early in the year, it's not 2021 yet, which means it's hard for us to do that. So yeah, No wonder you slipped up on the year. Corey and I are podcasting from the past right now, and so Ooh. podcasting about a 2021 movie would have been a bit difficult. It wasn't going to work, but um, what we did decide to go back to was a movie that we had every intent of seeing in theaters to cover on this show because it's the pinnacle of a they made another one film uh the subtitle is first it's a sequel that doesn't really make any sense or have a clear reason for existing it didn't do very well uh it's a horror movie it checks a lot of our boxes and uh we decided you know that movie's streaming now in a regularly available way so why not do that and so we are i guess finally talking about brahms the boy too which is a fucking great title great for us this is a movie that i I've, was really happy to kick off 2021 with because it feels like we're tying off a loose end that we left in 2020 um and that loose end is like that brief theatrical window we had at the beginning of the year because brahms the boy too came out february 21st of 2020 and Corey and i were really close to doing it uh fresh off the presses similar to cats um we were gonna go see it in the theaters but we we're gonna podcast about it i think Corey saw a trailer for the movie in january or february and you messaged me and you said dude i just saw a trailer for a movie that sounds so tailor-made for this show right brahms the boy too do you remember seeing that trailer uh i do i wish i remembered what movie it was before because i can't remember but whatever it was I immediately stopped thinking about it, and I was like, well, all I care about is Brahms now. This is the most important thing to me. What I'm actually going to do really quick is see if I can find the message that I sent you. So the 7th of February 2020. I'd love to know what I was seeing. Mm. 
Invisible Man, per- perhaps. There was so few movies in that beginning of the year, right? You 1917, apparently. Ooh, that's. I was seeing 1917. I wonder how many people that went to see 1917 saw the trailer for Brahms and were like, "Yo, so let's this is go. Pre- so this is pretty good." Earlier t- that day, apparently, my my uh, screenplay book for The Witch arrived, which is apropos because. There's someone from the witch in this movie. Yeah, look at that. Um, all caps is all four of all five, six of these messages. All six of these messages are all caps. Yeah, re- read, read the, read the an excerpt from the conversation so we can set the stage a year later because this is what I'm talking about. We were so close to doing this movie in 2020, and now we're finishing off the 2020 theatrical year in 2021. There is a new horror movie coming out with subtitle first. We gotta check this shit out. Brahms, The Boy 2. What even is The Boy? It's perfect. And then you said, I'm down. And I was like, that broke my brain. I got so excited. Couldn't believe my eyes. Have you heard of The Boy? And then you said, do you want to be surprised? And I was like, uh, yes. Yes. Sure. I think it comes out at the end of the month. Seeing if they made another one movie in real life just appear was wild. What a thrilling movie-going experience. See, oh man, so it's so funny that we set it up and then we missed our, our quick chance and then that was it. Because, I mean, we could have we could have got to this mid-March or something. We might have come around to it while it was still in theaters. But of course, a week after this movie came out, you know, things were getting pretty heavy. We didn't want to go out. Yeah, and we so, didn't get a chance, basically. It, Invisible Man was the last movie I saw in theaters, and that must have been the beginning of February. And so if we had gone out and seen Brahms the Boy 2, it absolutely would have been the last movie I saw in theaters before uh, we all went into lockdown. So I'm glad I'm, I am really glad we're getting it to now, regardless of whatever the quality of the movie turns out to be to us. It's just it's it's a cool tying up, as you can see, that the seeds were planted a year ago. And so um we're making up for lost time and yeah yeah Liam, i'm glad that i'm glad that i was uh that i had the forethought to not reveal where i stood <laughs> on uh the boy or the boy too because i i really thought at this point i had to have because yeah. we cast brahms aside and so i thought it must have come now's up my but chance i guess to you, ask. you don't know eh? Now, i was about, i was about to say now's my chance to ask what is the boy <laughs> what do you know about <laughs> the boy did you see the boy <laughs> It's been eating you up inside for a whole year. <laughs> Fuck the pandemic. This is all Corey could think about. No, yeah. I, all of my alarms when I wake up are labeled, what does Liam know about the boy? So then when I wake up in the morning, I'm reminded. <laughs> all right. So I'll tell you what the boy is, Corey. The boy is um, a horror movie that came out in January of 2016 directed by the same director as Brahms and written by the same writer as Brahms. So we got the same team. And um, the premise of the boy is that a, uh, a very rich British couple has a young woman come to their house in order to housekeep while they're away on a holiday and also take care of their son, you know, dress him and feed him and read to him and talk to him. But their son is a doll named Brahms um and they don't give any indication to the babysitter that they know that this is a doll or that it's weird they, they treat it like like it's really their child and so this woman is just left alone in this house um tasked with taking care of this doll and of course she thinks it's ridiculous at first and then spooky stuff starts happening around this 
big ass mansion house while she's all alone in it and uh, she starts to suspect that maybe there is something going on with the doll um and we'll talk a little bit more about the plot as we get into Brahms, the boy too, because they are related. This isn't a, a standalone sequel or anything. It's it's actually um, a pretty, uh, I'd say the story does rely a lot on that first movie, which I saw in 2017, maybe late 2016. Um, I didn't catch it in the theater, but as 2016 went on, I, I heard about it um, from a few people who had seen it and were either imp- really impressed by it or really down on it. And so I got <laughs> interested in it, even though I'm not really a supernatural guy. I'm not a big doll guy and I'm not a big gothic guy. And that seemed to be what the movie was going for. You know, e- when I saw the poster in January of 2016 and the movie came out, that's probably the reason I didn't go see it is because all of those things. Um, but after hearing... A bit of talk about the movie it, it got me interested and so um i watched it in the very living room that is below your floor right now Corey. i put it on by <laughs> myself one evening um and i was really really impressed by the boy holy shit um especially because I, I don't like all those things this movie really took me it was creepy i really liked the setting um a lot of the movie is just this young woman walking around i don't know why i have to keep saying she's young she's probably like late 20s or something um i had uh, it's a lot of the movies just watching this woman walk around the house um and i really grew attached to that there are a lot of movies i like that have that same sort of vibe like uh house of the devil is another one where it's just basically someone bopping around for an hour Um, And then stuff really starts to heat up near the end. And when this movie heats up, it heats up, dude. Um, And there's a twist in the movie that I'll reveal a bit later in the podcast. I I already know what it is if you want to reveal it now. So the big twist in The Boy is that there's ostensibly there's nothing supernatural going on. And it's just uh, there has been a man living in the walls the, the child the child of this rich couple has actually what it's just really funny i just think it's um, funny sorry there's the the couple's son has been living in the walls for the last 20 years and he's the one that has been doing the things that make it seem like the doll is alive and uh, he comes out of the walls at the end and it kind of turns into a brief like stock and slash movie. And it is really unsettling, really cool. The scene where he where that's revealed and he comes out of the wall is shot in such a creepy way. There's slow motion like the re- the reveal is uh, they kind they, they knew what they had with this reveal. And so it really hits. And so I was super taken by the boy. I really, really liked it. And so I've thought about it a lot over the last couple of years and just how strong that twist is and how it elevates the movie from being a standard haunted house doll movie to something else. It's a really cool subversion. And I have to I have to say that because the first hour of the movie um has to set up for that twist you don't get a lot of the cheesy doll stuff that you would expect to get and so um i liked the movie even before the twist but the twist elevated it and uh, i really dug it so when i heard they were doing brahms the boy 2 
I must have heard about it a year and a half or ago or so. Like right when it was announced, I was I'm tuned in to the the boy Brahms frequency, and so I heard about it quickly, and I thought, man, how are they going to do that? That's really interesting. One, I didn't know that the movie had made enough money and got enough reception to do a sequel. I mean, like I I had heard some people in the horror community that liked it. But beyond that, you know, I didn't really hear about it in a mainstream setting. So I was surprised they were making a sequel. And uh, I I had a hard time thinking about how they might do it. But the more I thought about it, um, the more I thought that there's really potential here. And so I have been really excited to see Brahms the Boy 2 since it was announced. Um, And uh, I'm, well, I I got to watch it. So yeah, that's cool. Uh, I feel like I heard that twist at some point in some sort of video I watched in the intervening years because it's such a wild thing for a movie to do uh, that I feel like that was familiar to me. Um, in terms of mainstream coverage, I'm seeing here that GQ said it was the most underrated horror movie of 2016. And to your point about making money, it made $64 million on a $10 million budget. Oh, nice. So, that's That's really awesome. That's pretty good. Uh, there's a really funny line in the Wikipedia page I just feel like I have to point out, which is uh, Greta locks herself in her room. She then finds a peanut butter and jelly sandwich outside her door, her favorite, and the child's voice promises he will be good. <laughs> it's the fact that it specifies that it's her favorite sandwich. Like, that's really important. I love that. But uh, <laughs> those Wikipedia <laughs> summaries had to be concise. I I watched the original movie back to back with Brahms okay. when I when I got to this, and so I've seen it just yesterday. And uh, even though that is uh, that is factual in the movie, uh, it's not like she eats a peanut butter jelly every time she's on screen. My favorite. I, know, I love that. Like I love that. I I adore Wikipedia editorializing. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's, and it's, it's almost always subtle, in yeah. like movies or like books or whatever, like that kind of thing, where people are willing to just make kind of statements like that. Imagine, maybe that's how it's written in the script. It's like Greta bites into a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Parentheses, her favorite. Right. Yeah. I mean, it could be. We we have no way of knowing unless we ask William Brent Bell himself. Or I guess also Stacy Muneer herself as the writer and director of the movie. Uh, but other than that, I didn't really know anything about the boy, and I didn't know anything about the boy too, other than the trailer and the fact that again we're big proponents of subtitle first on this show. It it, it doesn't often turn it's, out well. It's mostly it's, let it's us down, easy. but when it hits, it hits hard. Looking at you, Joe Berlinger. Well, here's the thing. It's either it's only been terrible movies or amazing movies. What else do we have on the docket? Carrie 2 was subtitle first. Prom Night nice. 2 is subtitle first. Bangers. Nice. Uh, wow. Yeah, you could stop right there. You proved your point. Yeah. And then we have Blair Witch. And then, the we, and then there's Book of Shadows. And I feel like there's another that was bad, but I can't remember what it is, which is probably for the best. Uh, but yeah, I don't have a ton to say about this isn't one of those big towering franchises, right? Like there's not really much of a history to have with it. So yeah, we're, we're basically, yeah, we're, we're making sure that we cover previously promised territory. And well, what about expectations based on title trailer poster? I hadn't seen the poster. I had seen the trailer a year prior and I didn't remember anything about it at all. Other than the name. 
and it's a good name. It the name job. makes me laugh every single time I read it. So that's pretty good. Uh oh, I mean, you know, my expectations weren't high, but they weren't low. I don't know what like they were middle of the road. I was prepared to be surprised in either direction. What about you as a fan? I gotta say, man, my expectations were low for this movie. My <laughs> hopes were high, absolutely, because I really liked the first one. It impressed me so much. But honestly, dude, just one, just based on the title and um, I the, the posters, this focus on Brahms had me worried because it seemed like the movie this movie was going to lean into the doll aspect, this this creepy doll thing that's big right now, you know, uh, particularly with Annabelle, um, where the focus is on the doll. Which, as far as I know, supernatural does it well. People really like those movies. Absolutely. So I see why they're doing it, but it it had me um, it had me like you know hesitant because the. the what impressed me most about that first movie is that it's a bait and switch. It seems like that's what it's going to be. And then it's not. And for that to be the case at the end, well, it's the house with a man in its walls. Yeah. Then I think this movie, um, the sequel doesn't seem logically like it should go in that direction. You know, I I watched the, the first movie right before this one with, uh, Brianna and um, we talked a little bit about what the second movie could do before we got there, because now we were both going into it uh, not having any clue what it was going to be about. And Brianna really loved the first one as well, so we were both really interested. And we talked a bit about what the second one could be. Um, and we thought that it would be... a re- The first movie serves really well as like a slasher origin story. Like, now we have... Um, we have adult, the titular Brahms, who is like super ripped in the movie too, dude. The character design on Brahms <laughs> always is ripped. sick. It's so cool. He's wearing a mask and he's like huge and his hair is shaggy and it's really freaky. It's such a stark How contrast. did he get so huge in the walls? Is he? <laughs> he's lifted, I guess. In the walls? Not, not much else to do. <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah. He's doing um, um, push-ups while standing. Like, he's just pushing against the wall a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever Greta hears something spooky in the house, it's just Brahms. Him getting push-ups. absolutely yoked. Um, so he's, are, honestly, the character design that's revealed at the end is really unsettling, really cool, really creepy. And so I, we, we thought, hey, if the, if the sequel focuses on adult Brahms, like, stalking someone killing someone living in someone else's walls doing really anything but if you just have that character as your main antagonist i think that would be really cool because you know as we learned a few months ago jason as we know him wasn't even in that first movie right it was the mom and then after that jason didn't become who we know him to be with the hockey mask and the the machete and the attributes that he has until way later on and so i was thinking that it's it'd be really cool if that first movie is actually you know it's the setup with the doll turns out not quite to be a doll movie and now we have this this uh 
new figure of horror um, that a lot of people are now familiar with because the first movie made a lot of money. And so now the second one can focus on that. And so that got me really excited. But based on the title, the posters, and um, just a bit of chatter I heard, you know, as the movie came out, I I tried to avoid it all. I didn't seek anything out because I knew I was going to see this eventually. But you hear a few things here and there, and nothing seemed to indicate that that's the direction they went. And so it worried me that this movie was going to step, take a step back and just fall in line with the scary doll thing. Um, so I was that I was preparing for that myself. Right. I already talked about the director and writer, so I'm going to just say quickly, cast, which the principal cast is pretty short, uh, Katie Holmes. This guy's name is Welsh. I'm going to say it as if it's not Welsh because I don't know how to pronounce Welsh names correctly. Owen Yauman, um, Christopher Con- Convery, Ralph Innocent, as mentioned, uh, Anjali J, Oliver Rice, Natalie Moon, Daphne Hoskins, and Jolie Collins. And a uh, couple quick notes on the music. The composer is a guy named Brett Detar, who is uh, from bands mostly. The Juliana Theory, which I've never heard of, and Zhao, which I've also never heard of. Um, and he's also done music on other William Brent Bell movies. Uh, one of them is called Were, W E R, and The mm-hmm. Devil Inside. Um, then we've got Carl Walter Lindenlob, who is a cinematographer who works a lot with Roland Emmerich. Has also worked with Gary Marshall and works with William Brent Bell. Some notable stuff includes Independence Day, The Princess Diaries, and we've got the Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian, everyone's favorite Chronicles of Narnia, probably. Underworld Blood Wars, which is probably something we could do on this show. I mean, Prince of Caspian is right there, too. This guy's doing it. And then we've got Brian Burdan, or Burden, um, who edited the movie, who has worked with um, David Lynch, Peter Bogdanovich. Uh, he actually worked on Twin Peaks in 2017. Uh, he worked on Wild at Heart, Blue Velvet, The Mothman Prophecies, uh, Oliver Stone's Nixon movie, Dude Gets Around. So, you know, definitely some pedigree going on here. People who know how to make stuff, people who have been making stuff for a long time. And uh, so the gist of the film is there's this family when the husband is out like working there is like a home invasion and liza who is played by katie holmes gets assaulted and the son jude sees it and um that he becomes mute the son and she is traumatized by that obviously so they move to the countryside to recuperate um near the uh the brahms house i guess the boy house and uh (laughs) The man's house. The man's. <laughs> they move to the man's house, nearby to the man's house, and um, there's a weird groundskeeper, uh, who is played by the witch, man, the witch man. I forget Not his name. Not the same name? as the jo- wall man. Joseph. Joseph. And uh, then, uh, kid finds a doll in the woods, and then spooky stuff happens. <laughs> that's pretty there much it. I yeah, that's all I got for that. <laughs> And, um, you know, I don't know. 
it's it's always tough with ones that don't have as much for me to like get into because i always feel like i'm not giving it enough fanfare uh when i get to the part where i want to ask how you felt about it but i don't really have a ton else to say so i'm just gonna do that part and we're just gonna have to live with that all right Corey. i was disappointed in this one two times over oh Um, boy that's that's bad (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. and uh i'll set the stage right at the beginning here that though we have talked about some real shit in the last two weeks movies that i'm disappointed in christmas story 2 and new year's eve uh that's not how i feel about this movie so i I don't want people to hear this and say oh man it's another one of these episodes i'll check out um i'm not gonna dunk on this movie as hard as i did those ones but this movie really did disappoint me um firstly because it is um what i was hoping it wouldn't be which is it steps away from the i would say the promise the insinuation of the end of the first movie and it goes back to the doll and creepy doll stuff and it it gets its scares in the way i feared the first one would before i liked it and before i watched it and and then i realized it didn't have that stuff and i liked it and so this movie is kind of what i what i feared the first one would be and then the first one impressed me so much and so i was in for the sequel but i feel like this takes a step back it plays it much more safe um and it's just not as much my thing stylistically tonally um and so why and then so if i take away my expectations from the first movie and try to think okay i'm not going to i'm not going to dislike this movie because um of what i wanted it to be i'll just look at what it is and and when i look at it that way um it it disappoints me just because i think the the scares are all things i've seen before in other movies even even if i hadn't seen the first boy and i was just coming in to watch this ghost movie and see how i feel about it um this does ghosty stuff but it's it's stuff i've seen before you know the the kid drawing scary images because he has a friend that only talks to him the doll that moves when people aren't looking um the tertiary character that you know is going to show up with uh, some new information near the end, the exposition dump from a uh, shit. What's a, what's beyond a tertiary character? The 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 fortiary character. Extra. The extra. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, it just it does stuff I've seen before, and that 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 doesn't mean it's all bad it just means not a whole lot of it is exciting there there is a few there's a few moments in here um a few decisions that did excite me and um i can talk about those and also i've heard talk from fans of the first movie that this film um betrayed that first film um, and that it retconned it, that it doesn't make sense. And I don't fall in line with that. I think this is an interesting and uh, totally fairly scripted movie where it ties into the original. Um, it it basically all makes sense in line with the original. So I don't think it's like a slap in the face. I don't think they're cheating at all. 
I just think that it is um, it's 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 stepping back when you could have stepped forward. Like you're still you're on the same line, and so you're not totally going out um, and and uh, leaving something behind and um, not making any sense. It makes sense, but it's just less my thing. Where I think it would have been far more interesting to follow through on the promise of that first movie's ending i think this movie plays it way too safe um i think that uh this makes the first movie less interesting in retrospect it the first movie still makes sense but i think if i keep in mind what we've learned from this movie and apply it to that first movie well now what i liked about the first movie isn't as cool to me and so um I think this movie is an interesting exercise because it's sort of a Halloween six, but it's only the second movie, you know, like it, it, it kind of brings in the cult of thorn. It, it does something that takes you so far away from what you think the first movie is saying and what it's about and weaves it in there. And, um, it still makes sense. Like I said, in that Halloween episode, I don't, I'm not against the cult of thorn. I don't think it's, um, dumb in concept. Cult I think of it's thorn apologist. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, th- I think it's, it's fine to do something like that. But, um, when, uh, it's only, it's only movie number two. Um, <laughs> It's it just kind of seems like a bummer to me. I, and, I think uh, it's worth noting that Wikipedia describes this movie as a standalone sequel. So they were assuming people were going to see it with no previous knowledge, or at least were prepared for that and fine with it. Yeah, I guess so. Like it, you don't need um, to have seen the other movie. All the exposition will get you there, so you understand enough. While not mentioning the one really important part, which is that the man was reeling in the walls. Yeah, and and while that's in this movie, um, it totally changes it changes your perception of what was happening in that first movie. So now the man from the was actually being possessed from the very beginning, and it just it it sort of reads to me like it because it's the same creative team behind it. I would think, okay, if that's the story you wanted to tell, why wouldn't that just be in the first movie? And because it's not in the first movie and it's coming a few years later, it seems to me like um, it is sort of going back on the promise you made because either you don't know your way out or it's just uh, it's just a, a safer thing to do. And so... Um, it, they, they tinkered with the story a bit in order to make it the scary doll thing. And I just think it's a bit of a shame. So um, all, all in all, the movie was fun to watch. I mean, I like horror movies, but it didn't have the punch of that first movie. Right. What kind of stuff did you like in it to sort uh, of counteract that overall feeling of the... Sure. Um well, I definitely liked all the performances. I'll tell you that. I think all these actors are doing really great stuff. I like Katie Holmes in the movie. I really feel the way she's trying to reach out to her son. I think she sells grief really well. Um, I like her relationship with her husband. I think he is uh, a well 
fleshed out father um i i can and i and i like the dynamic they both have with their son that they're, they're both treating the situation a little different but i feel the love between them so i think that's important um i really like joseph played by uh, ralph innocen from the witch i like his intensity i don't like his his character as much i mean like i said by the third act love I think guy who he... is always carrying an open gun around <laughs> Dude, that's By the third so act. literally a Chekhov's gun. It is unbelievable. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> By the third act, I think he his character falls into cliche, but I think just in terms of acting, I mean, he sells it well. Once he gets up there, I like watching him go for it. And then besides the performances, um, I think that <laughs> what what's really going to stick with me in this movie, and it's sort of the... It's the third, I guess, a smaller version of the third act surprise that I love so much in that first movie. Um, and that that first movie, the example would be the the design and the reveal of the human Brahms. In this movie, it would be the real the the reveal of Brahms's like real face once his porcelain is smashed, and you get this uh, burnt looking like cosmic. Uh, evil design where it's like it it kind of gave me like it vibes where where um now that it's been revealed that brahms has been like possessing and influencing people for centuries um and then we get this design of him where he's not uh just made up of porcelain and glass to match the era he's more this collection of matter and he's his face is all black and one of his eyes looks like a really deep tunnel and the other looks like a terminator eye that is super fucking cool to me i thought that was it should it should be able to shoot lasers the fact that it doesn't (laughs) shoot lasers is a missed opportunity yeah uh i thought that was scary as heck and so i'm gonna remember that and well um, as hell or as heck liam both pick a side (laughs) Um, and the movie is slickly made enough that I was along for the ride and every time a scare happened it was like it disappointed me because it was something I had seen before it was it felt a bit cliche but also there was enough like visual skill happening and technical skill with the acting that I would think okay maybe the next one will will be will be up there it'll be good and so i was still with the movie the whole time it just never quite it's it's like if you're like at a at a fair and you're playing that hammer game where you gotta you gotta hit the thing and it goes up and hits the bell and then you're a strong person and you get a prize it's like it kept it kept hitting the platform but but the slidey never quite hit the bell <laughs> but I, I kept thinking okay maybe on the next hit it'll hit the bell that's how they get and you we, and when we saw Brahms's real face, that hit the bell. And when we got the British kid, the British bully, get stabbed through the back after he falls down, that hit the bell too. I thought that was a really well constructed scene where uh, Katie Holmes's character is watching the kids through a window, and to her, it looks like they're playing, but actually, there's a big argument going on. I think that's really clever and cool. I've never really. 
uh, seen that in a movie before. And then the fact that we actually see the sharpened spike go through the kid, um, that surprised me. And uh, up until that that point, the movie wasn't really surprising me. It was kind of doing exactly what I thought it would you know where you actually see brahms moving when people look away he moves a little bit when the camera lingers on him his eyes move a little bit like that stuff that kind of feels cut and paste and so when the camera actually stayed on this kid getting friggin impaled i thought that was awesome too nice um i've said a lot what about you man um well there was a reason i had you say a lot because uh yeah i um I hate to do this two weeks in a row because at a certain point it's almost like I like I feel like something else should be happening um, to to justify like I'm a person that does a podcast where I talk about movies. Um, but this for me, you said it wasn't like Christmas story two or like New Year's Eve level. What the fuck are we doing? Uh, for me, it kind of is, um, I've got, I've got nothing. I, uh, this movie barely held my attention. Uh, partway through this movie, I went and I read the plot summary of the first movie. And then while I was watching this movie, I went and I read the plot summary of the movie I was watching. Um, (laughs) up until the point you were at or all the way, all the way through baby. (laughs) Whoa. And, um, at a certain point, I just sort of like turned the volume down a little bit so it didn't have to be the primary thing I was focusing on in my room and like casually did other stuff. Holy um, shit. Everyone, we need to save Corey. And, What's happening? You know, I made a joke before we started about how like we're on a streak that I hope we end up breaking. And I, I, I do kind of feel bad because, you know, I feel like I am betraying a bit what the entire point is. And I don't know if, like, you know, maybe 2020 is just getting to me a little bit and ending on a weird note or I'm just in a in a place. I don't know. But or maybe 2020 has, like, ruined my ability to watch movies. I uh, I have had a bit of a harder time, like, fully focusing on movies. But I, I don't have that problem when I really like a movie. I find that it's able to sort of usurp whatever 2020 or like mental weirdness is is going on with that but this movie's not one of them i've got like some thoughts i'm not they're not especially thorough uh i can say in the most um quick way possible i don't agree with the stuff that you said that you liked um but that's sort of because in an overall sense it's so cliche and so bland and I have a note from the very beginning where I was like, wow, that was an instant jump scare with a giant musical sting right away. That is a bad sign. And the whole movie feels like a movie where that is the way it would get its scares. It it, it, it felt, I don't know, it almost felt like the movie wasn't even trying. It's so paint by numbers and so rote that i i just i didn't even know what to do with it it's just it's very bland and uncompelling yeah i've got to agree with you about the jump scares in this movie they are 
uh, rough. They assault you. They are. It's like, oh man, um, this scene just went from having regular sound to being completely silent. I wonder if a loud noise is coming. Yeah, and a lot of times it's something entirely random. Like it'll be a dream sequence, um, which the the first movie does as well. And um, dream sequences, I for the most part, I write them off as just. Uh, you know, we need to get the audience um, to jolt up a bit. We need to get the heart rate up, but we don't actually know how to advance the story. So we're going to do this separate, like a, a throwaway. It's almost like an outtake scare. And then we'll get back to the story we're writing. Um, but after watching the first movie and, and thinking about why that was my reaction, uh, I thought that, you know, dreams are actually a pretty important window into uh, the human psyche. And so um, a dreams are a great way to learn about a character. And I, I was thinking, um, okay, if something scares someone in a dream, even if it's not actually happening, it, it teaches us something about the character. And, uh, and I shouldn't write them off so quickly, but... In this movie, uh, the dreams don't teach us anything we didn't already know, especially because there's more than one of them. Um, and the manner in which the scares happen, like uh, the bats coming out of Brahms's mouth, it, it, it really does feel like we have an idea for a scare, but we don't know where to put it. Um, and so we're just going to slap it in there it it very much feels um cheap and and some people like that some people just just want to jump no matter what it is but uh for me the movie would have been even better without those jump scares in it because you know when we see brahms's actual face at the end that still really would have scared me and it it wouldn't have annoyed me before that. And so um, I wish the movie had been a bit more somber, hadn't been so incessant with the jump scares. This movie goes a lot harder than that first movie does with with the jumps and um, with the different kind of jumps. But even though I say that they're different kinds, I mean, really, you can only do so many different ways. Like, it's just a whole lot of this movie is just the doll moving when people aren't looking. And um, that's a big bummer for me because the first movie, you don't get any of the doll moving on screen. It is entirely suspense. It's entirely implied. And um, and then when the reveal happens, it all makes sense. Whereas this movie seems to get so far away from that so quickly that when we see the doll moving, I'm not thinking, oh, how are they going to explain this? Because this is different than the first movie. I'm kind of getting annoyed by the movie. And I'm, th and I'm thinking, why is this happening when, um, when it doesn't need to be happening when the first movie was able to create suspense and when the situation should be able to create suspense without actually seeing the doll move like i can i can be afraid because the kid says that the doll is talking and says that the doll is moving i don't need to see the doll moving right now you can get to that point later but i feel like the movie shows its hand so early 
with what's happening that by the time the explanation happens where it's okay this is actually a supernatural evil that is making the doll move um it feels like it's an explanation that i don't need because the 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 doll has already moved around so much that there's no nothing else it could possibly be that's just what it is and so um the scares in the movie really did disappoint me, which is why the impalement of the kid and Brahms's actual face surprised me because that is stuff that's particularly brutal and um, uh, stuff that you don't see in these other ghost doll movies, especially PG-13 ones. It's, uh, it's a Is lot this more PG-13. Cre- I know the first one was, so I assumed this one was as well. Huh? I never thought about that. And so the impalement and Brahms's actual face, that's stuff that I haven't really seen in other movies. It's its different than this movie was setting itself up to be. And so I, I wish that they had gone a bit easier on those other types of scares because um, those, those beats would have hit a lot harder and uh, this wouldn't have felt so paint by numbers as you said yeah no um to be completely honest with you i think you as someone who had seen the other movie and walked away from this with a genuine opinion uh it's a lot more valuable for anybody curious about the movie to get a lot more of your take on it than mine because i don't really have anything to add well we got a bit of time to fill Corey. why don't we talk about um our gift exchange oh we, yeah we that in the last episode um, yeah, so I don't remember a couple of days before Christmas, Liam and I met in his driveway, <laughs> masked and apart, and traded some stuff. Well, actually, um, he dropped ours off for me and my roommates, his former roommates, by ding dong ditching our house. And then I woke up at like 3 a.m. to go to work, and there was a gift that got slid under my door. Uh, so I opened that at like 3 a.m. in the dark, like a good Christmas gift is opened. And um, so I got from Liam uh, a print of, of a piece of art of uh, a local independent theater called The Bytown, um, which sadly is closing. And uh, it's just a nice celebratory thanks for the memories kind of piece of art. Um, and I've had a lot of great times at that theater. I'm going to miss it a lot. And it's nice to have a little thing of them to have around. I haven't framed it or anything yet, but I'm I'm planning on it. So that's what I got from Liam. And that was then, the last theater you were at before the lockdown, right? Um, it was the last theater in Ottawa, though. I the mm. Invisible Man I saw in Kingston when I was at my dad's house. Got you. But speaking of the Invisible Man, <laughs> yeah, Corey's wonderful gift to me. It was a twofer. So first, he got me The Invisible Man by Lee Winnell, the new one that we covered on the podcast, on DVD. Uh, It it would have been way funnier if I got one of the old ones. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a a DVD version because he wisely knew that I did not have a Blu-ray player. I have some Blu-rays. I accidentally bought Knock Knock on Blu-ray thinking it was a DVD. Oh, what a tragedy. You can't watch Knock Knock anymore. (laughs) 
I also have the Twin Peaks box set on Blu-ray, um, which I won at a contest, and so it wasn't up to me. It was actually the reason that my dad um, and so then my family household got a Blu-ray because I had that Twin Peaks set with me. I wanted to show it to my dad, and so he he bought a Blu-ray player, and we watched it on there. And uh, um, so Corey got me this wonderful Invisible Man set on Blu-ray. Um by set, I mean it's just the movie on DVD. But, it's, it, but, but yeah, that's right on DVD. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, but it also has it also has like commentary track, and it has like uh, you know one of those like featurettes on the back that you don't know what it means. It's yeah. called like uh, unmasking the moss. Or it called like I that. am the Invisible Man by the Invisible Man. <laughs> yeah, um, and so that was my favorite movie, my favorite horror movie of 2020. Also, my favorite movie we covered on this podcast. I just love it so much. I've seen it again since the theater, and it totally holds up. And so I'm so excited to listen to it with the commentary track. Um, Amazing gift. I'm so happy to have it. And a twofer, Corey got me the most amazing shirt. It's a t-shirt, and it says on it in this like kind of neon-ish, like Like a neon, electric green. (laughs) Yeah, electric green font on this black shirt it says based on the book the woodsboro murders by gail weathers gail weathers of course being of scream fame played by courtney cox and the woodsboro murders is the book that that character writes about the events of scream so really that the shirt is just a clever way to say scream um and it's uh it's a shirt that's like it's it's there and the people that know it know it and they'd see it they'd be like yeah that's cool and then to other people it's just like uh, oh that that shirt has some nice writing on it you know it's not too offensive because i have um a pennywise shirt that has the tim curry pennywise on it and i love it but uh my girlfriend's mom uh, i should say my fiance's mom uh doesn't like the way the tim curry looks on the shirt and so way to casually reveal how did we not start the episode by tying that loose end oh yeah it worked everybody is that how we're describing it I was like, yo, you want to do it? And she was like, sure. And now here we Clarify. are. Clarify. People might not have heard the last episode. <laughs> what happened? Oh, I proposed to my wonderful girlfriend, Brianna, and she said yes. Yay. We love that. Woo. But more important. Called shot, this, baby. This, this shirt that Corey got me. Uh, <laughs> it's cool because I can like wear it to family dinners. Maybe. I mean, like it says murder on it, but uh, I- I'm going to do Lots it. Lots of sure. things say the word murder on it that you can buy. <laughs> Yeah, so it's a really cool shirt, and um, it's unlike anything I've ever seen before, you know, uh, in terms of Scream shirts or horror movie shirts I'd, at all. I'd like it's... to shout out the store where I bought that. Yeah. Great Twitter follow. Uh, let me get their handle right, because they're very good. Uh, so, at Super Yaki Stuff, uh, that's Y-A-K-I, Super Yaki is the .com website that you can go to. Yeah, they just got great. They just got cool shirts. They got really good stuff. They have a thing that I want to buy that is um it's some shirts. That, I think they put it on hats and stuff too that just it's the credit for music by John Carpenter and I want that real bad. Uh they've got all kinds of great stuff over there. Now I can attest to the fact that it is of a high quality and worth buying. It's a good shirt and uh it it's a good tease because next week we're going to be talking about Scream finally. Yes, yeah, that should get us out of our rut. Corey and I are going to talk about Scream 4, 
um, the latest installment in the Scream franchise. Now, holy shit, it'll be 10 years old by the time we talk about it. Not to the month, but to the year. Right. Um, and I think we're doing w- this primarily because we're very excited about the new Scream. <laughs> yes, yeah. And so it'll be um, basically a year to the day to the release of Scream 5, um, which is called Scream. And <laughs> so we then, assuming Scream five doesn't get delayed we should be able to put out an episode on that scream about like a the year same later, week yeah. in 2022 it'll be very cool i'm so excited to revisit that movie and visit and uh check it out and uh i'm so it's it's been a long time coming i mean that and chucky i'd say are like the two big horror franchises we still have yet to get to and scream is the one that is particularly close to my heart and so um if brahms didn't kick off the year proper then i think scream will be the way to go i'm very excited to talk to you about yeah that movie. i hope so man i could use it somebody show me a good movie and then after that may as well tease two weeks ahead because why not um something i received for christmas is the uh criterion collection release of the first two police story movies um which for anybody who doesn't know are some classic 80s jackie chan hong kong action and they made like five of those so i think we're gonna dig into police story with that now people get to kind of you know plan ahead a little bit if uh if other people want to watch stuff before we get to it for sure yeah i'm super excited for both those and as long as we're planning ahead this won't be the week after police story um but it will be at some point in our future i just want to say that if I have my way, we will be revisiting William Brent Bell's filmography again because he oh is directing the sequel, nay, prequel to the film Orphan. Oh, he's doing that with the with uh, yes. the fucking forced perspective shit? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, it, no, we have to. I have to give him the benefit of the doubt because I, I need to see that movie more than I need to breathe air. Yes, it is called <laughs> Orphan First Kill. Um, I don't know if it's finished shooting because it started shooting in November in Winnipeg, funny enough, uh, very close to the town I grew up in. And who knows when that'll be out? I don't know if it'll be late this year. Horror movies often have a quick turnaround. So if it's done filming, I'd say it might be late this year, but uh, you know, also could be next year. I don't know. But Orphan First Kill is something that uh, I'll show my hand a little bit here. I so fucking excited for that no matter who is directing it who is writing it that is so cool especially because we have isabel Furman, the titular orphan back for the sequel <laughs> now, of course the 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 big hook for everyone is that this is over 10 years she's later playing and, a child and she's apparently playing <laughs> a child <laughs> um basically i mean i I won't say i won't say anything more than that but uh man i'm stoked and so we've uh we've got a lot on the near horizon and a lot on the not so near horizon it's not even a horizon yet that's how how far away it is but hopefully sooner rather than later orphan first kill it's it's gonna be a good it's gonna be a good year Corey. yeah we've got stuff to look forward to i think that's a safe way of putting it absolutely we do and things um, are looking up yeah things can only get better and um on that note we're gonna get out of here and uh with that out of the way thank you all once again for listening to another episode of they made another one 
You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at they made another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at T M A O. Yeah. Ugh. Sounded frightening. Um you can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify. <laughs> Sorry. I crack myself up. <laughs> Literally on MK Podquest. The last time we recorded, somebody commented on how it's funny that I can make myself crack up. Because I did, I did it again. Other people notice. <laughs> Corey doesn't even need the Big Bang Theory to make himself laugh alone in his room. The Bazinga Boy him. is of no use to me. You can. <laughs> Fuck. I don't even know what I'm laughing at at this point. Nor do I. Nor do I. <laughs> I must have said something really funny a while ago, and it's a slow burn. Stop. It's coming around to hit you. If you, you keep talking about it, I'm going to keep going. But I'm not even talking about anything. Like, I'm not even making a joke. It's just... That was a joke? That wasn't was not a weak. joke. It was a pretty weak one. Yeah, that's never stopped me before. Um, God damn, ain't that the truth? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> okay, I don't know. How to... Did you Did you ever have to play that game in drama class, high school, where like you drama had to make the other person laugh? Uh, maybe, probably. I'm just wondering how you are <laughs> at that game. Like, when it's a competitive, heated setting, are you able to keep it together? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, probably not. I'm not a super competitive person, so I doubt it. But now that I've stopped, I'm going to say you can find episodes on Anchor Spotify. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> that, that makes it sound like I like sent you a funny text to sabotage you. I did nothing, everybody. <laughs> no, I just I, I was talking to you and I felt like I had stopped. And then the second I got to Apple, I just started laughing again. You know what's funnier than 24? 25. 25. <laughs> Can you read the outro? Because otherwise I don't think we're going to leave. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. Thank you once again for listening to this episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everything else as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email at TMAOPodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, or your uh, method to get Corey to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson, who you can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. Custom-made soundboard clips are courtesy of Jason DeLine. You can hear one of a bird chirping right now. And you can find Jason <laughs> on Instagram at DeLineMan. Corey, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Corey Price. You can also find me on Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. And you can check out MK PodQuest on Twitter and all your podcasting services where myself and friend of the show, Final Neil, to differentiate him from the other Neil. And uh, we are rewatching the classic all-time great television series, Mortal Kombat Conquest. Uh, most recently, we came out with a recap episode. So now is probably a good time to jump on. And uh, there's also a fun song at the end of that if you're into that sort of thing.
And you guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mullow. And with all that out of the way, we'll catch you here next time for more. They made another one? Thank you, because I really don't think I was going to make it through that.